Joining us now live on the line, you know him from Scarlet Nation 24-7 Sports, Bobby Darren. How you doing, Bobby? Good. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate the time. And listen, a lot has been coming out over the last 24 hours or so. So take us through. What exactly happened here? Okay. You know, first of all, from the beginning, let's preface this, preface this by saying that Pat Hobbs did not want anything to do with hiring Greg Schiano from the beginning. Now, he had to eventually take a meeting and, and entertain the idea because basically donors, fans, everybody wanted Greg Schiano. I mean, as you have been able to see. So during the negotiation process, you know, there was some back and forth, but what Pat Hobbs did was basically, you know, kind of conspire and manipulate the board of governors into believing they didn't want to take this financial risk, even though it wasn't steep. The, the salary that Greg had demanded would have put him in 10th place in the Big Ten, along with Lovey Smith. So it wasn't like he was asking for the world. He was asking for resources that any Power Five program would have. Uh, but basically what you saw was, you know, Hobbs talking to these board of governors and, and trying to get the votes to not pass Greg Schiano. And you have to remember that these board of governors are not football fans out there at every game. They don't really have a, a, a firsthand view of what's going on. So they know Pat Hobbs from talking to him and basically went behind Schiano's back and, and did that. And that's what we have here today. So if Pat Hobbs never wanted to even entertain the idea of hiring Greg Schiano, then why even take the meeting in the first place? I mean, he didn't, he right. didn't give him a call before hiring Ash. Right. Well, this is from the donors. You have pressure from everybody who's building the program, who's giving the money to the program, saying, we need to hire this guy. We need to hire this guy. And talking to donors over the last day or so, there's people already pulling the donations because, you know, Greg has established so many relationships in the state that when you get to a big-time program, it's not always the athletic director who makes the choice. It's the powers that be, those people that, that write the checks. So, you know, Rutgers was starting to act like a big-time program in the regard that, you know, the donors were kind of forcing the issue. And, you know, at the end, it turned out to be a, a big you know, just a mess with, with Barchi and, and Hobbs in there. And, you know, the program might just be killed because of them, too. Bobby, I, my question is, why did Pat Hobbs not want Greg Schiano from the get-go? We all saw all the qualities that made him such a good candidate and all the qualities that Pat Hobbs said he wanted in a good candidate. Jersey ties, head coaching experience. Uh, I mean, you know, you could go on forever. Why didn't Pat Hobbs want Greg Schiano? Well, you know, it became evident to some people early on. And I'll tell you a conversation I had at the beginning of this coaching search with someone very well-connected who made great donations over the year, was on various memberships, and, and, and you know, when this coaching search started, he was all in for Shiano. He'd been around for a while, and he talked to me about Pat Hobbs and said, you know, I don't think he's going to get it done, and I said, why? And the word he kept using was arrogance, arrogance. When Greg was here, people don't realize Greg ran the show. Greg kind of, you know, I covered the team for five seasons when Greg was here, and it was it was Greg's campus, you know what I mean? And, and rightfully so, because, you know, he did so much to change it and bring the program out of oblivion. So Pat Hobbs didn't want to share that power. He wanted to be the guy. He wanted to do it. So why didn't he want Greg? You know, it's pretty plain and simple. From talking to people, it's arrogance and ego. That is so ridiculous because if you look at he, – he said he wants to go to Ro, the Rose Bowl. That's why he came here. Well, you look at every other Big Ten school that gets to go to the Rose Bowl, Rose Bowl, 
who's the AD? Right? You know, Urban Myers the, or was the head coach at Ohio State. You know, Ryan Day's the head coach at Ohio State. You know, James Franklin's the head coach at Penn State. You know, Nick Saban's the head coach at Alabama. I couldn't tell you the ADs at those schools. That's the way it is in big time college football. Why couldn't Pat, Ho- Pat Hobbs put his ego aside and just accept that for him to do his best job, he needs to make the right hire for the football program? Is I mean, it's crazy I mean, that, that, that it's arrogance. Question, and it's one that, that only yeah. he can answer. Right. And, you know, as we've seen, he spoke for 10 minutes publicly. After, uh, you know, it was announced that, that Chris Ash was fired. But, you know, that that's the common theme I heard through this whole thing. And when the negotiations kind of quieted, as you know, the last couple of weeks, things got quieter and quieter before Sunday's uh, announcement that, you know, things had broken off. And, you know, it, it just it, it just was a pretty ominous feel to it. And, you know, it was Hobbs doing that work. And when you didn't hear anything, that was Hobbs kind of Hobbs working be kind of closed doors and and kind of, you know, I use the word on Twitter, slithering uh, around to, you know, try and manipulate the situation. I mean, you're 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 not pulling any strings here, Bobby. You're calling Pat Hobbs, you know, he's slithering like a like a snake. You know, it's hey. it's pretty plain and simple here. <laughs> if the boots fit, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, the biggest thing for me, and the and maybe the biggest thing where where I'm confused is the whole thing stems from money, right? The donors were pushing that that Shiano at least get an interview and that he'd be put through the door. So if money talks so much and they took, you know, they, they took the meeting and everything's looking well, I'm reading reports that he had scouting reports on these players, that he had a hundred transfers and recruits that he wanted to bring in or at least take a look at. I mean, the guy did more research in, in, you know, a couple of weeks than it seemed like Chris Ash did in four years. I mean, if money talks that much, how how couldn't there be more pressure put on Pat Hobbs to get this deal done? Because and you saw it when Pat Hobbs didn't receive any reprimand for that softball incident. You know, it was kind of like, hey, I can get away with this. And he had Barchi support. Robert Barchi has never been a pro football guy. He's never, you know, wanted to invest in football. He'd rather spend 50000 or $50 million on an academic building and try and get people to come watch students do science experiments or whatever. But, um, you know, basically, they they didn't want to uh, – he didn't want to make any investment in football. He's going out. He didn't want to have to fire anybody. Um, and, and, and he's just not interested in football. So Pat Hobbs realized that. and He says, look, I can do this, and I'm not going to get fired. My boss doesn't care. So why not? I just don't think he expected maybe the dramatic blowback that's been happening today with people pulling season tickets, you know, calling uh, President Barchi's office. Uh, I've heard donations being pulled. I've heard thousands of season tickets have been canceled. Um, I don't know if he expected that quite that big of a blowback. I mean, how could you not expect it? I had been hearing for the weeks leading up to Sunday that some donors were talking about pulling funds if it wasn't Shano. Did he just uh, think it was an empty threat? it goes right back to that ego and arrogance. If you have that type of arrogance, you think you're untouchable. You think it's not, oh, it'll just blow over, the people won't. And, and he's basically trying to play the fans and, and the supporters for fools. And, and he's not giving the players the resources they need. And the stuff that Greg asked for was, was demands that you know any coach would have asked for. So by turning him down, not only does he eliminate Greg from the candidacy, but he also sends a message to other potential candidates saying, why would I come to Rutgers? I'm not going to have the tools to succeed. And, yes, I might make a few million dollars, but my career is going to spiral downward really quickly. Yeah, let's get to the data points. I, I, get, I guess that the uh, from the term sheet that Pat Hobbs pretty much said no to, and 
What exactly was it, I guess, on that sheet that, or I guess in the contract proposed that um, Pat Hobbs was like, really, uh, I don't want, I don't want any of that because from what everything we've seen, it feels like anybody who's going to be a successful head coach here long term will ask for the same things. And if they don't have the support from above, like why would a Jeff Halfley, for example, a young up-and-comer, come here if they're not going to get that same support? So I guess what was it exactly on that proposed contract that really turned off Pat Hobbs and the Board of Governors? Yeah, it wasn't. I don't believe it was anything on okay. the contract. Okay, interesting. The fact that Greg Seattle was coming in. Now, he may have used some of that to, to kind of um, you know maneuver around the, the Board of Governors and say, look, he wants to use a private jet. You know, PJ Fleck gets sixty hours of private jet use. Um, and look, to be honest, if, if if that was if it came down to oh, you can only use a, a private jet for so many hours, I really don't believe Greg would have said, okay, I'm walking away because I don't have an unlimited private jet use. You know what I mean? But those are talking points he could have used to kind of play the political game with some of those board of governors and saying, look, this guy wants to fly around the country wherever he wants with his family. You know, there's a lot of ways you can spin it. I mean, sure, but I think the biggest thing for me. When I looked at the term sheet and everything, and the private jets, it seemed necessary. If you want to rebuild a program, it, I know that a lot of Big Ten programs have something, at least on retainer, that they can go and they can get these out-of-state guys because they can get to them so easily. But when I heard about the negotiations, and we talked about it a little bit earlier in the show, Rutgers came to Greg with six years, 24. Greg responded with eight years, 32, and that's when the negotiations ended. The AAV stays at four million regardless. How couldn't they negotiate better? How does how does it end at just one counterpoint? Why couldn't they meet in the middle at seven years twenty eight, for example? Yeah. See, I I think that's that's I don't think that's the the deal breaker that you had there. You know what I mean? Like there there was other uh, things, you know, potential buyouts and whatnot, and, and there that that could have been worked out. The bottom line is that that you know kind of. Hobbs kind of undermined it, and and it wasn't it, it wasn't the money. Let's just put it that way that that broke this deal. I want to circle back to something you said a little while ago. All the donors pulling their donations. Um, they've already lost a thousand in season tickets. Is there any thousands, chance more than a thousand? So thousands. thousands. Okay. So is there any chance that this is loud enough for Barchi and Hobbs to hear it, and they can circle back and write the ship, or even? for Barchi to hear it and say, you know, Hobbs kind of has to go because he really wronged Rutgers athletics. I, you know, I talked to someone who knew Barchi really well for a lot of years and he said no chance that he does it. Um, but um, there was also saying no, no chance he would, he would get rid of Tim Pernetti. But if there's pressure, you remember this is state university, there could be pressure from politicians higher up the food chain. That's what it would take, I believe, to, have Barchi dismiss Pat Hobbs. I, I don't think it's just going to take, you know, it, it, and it's great what the fans are doing, and, and, and I commend them for, you know, calling and being persistent, but I think it will take some political influence of, um, from someone above Barchi's head to cause him to get rid of Pat Hobbs because he's not going to do it on his own. I think we're starting to see that. I saw that at one of the state senators from New Jersey was calling out Rutgers for not getting it done. I think the the loudest voice that I've heard over the last 24 hours, and especially overnight, was from from former players. Eric LeGrand, Ryan Hart. I saw Kai Hester put something out today. Tom Savage. Tom Savage. These are guys that that, were huge players at Rutgers, both during the Shiano years and after, and they all have one common theme. (laughs) Pat, what the hell? 
So, I mean, he said that Pat Hobbs said he was going to consult former players. He said that when he fired Ash way back on September 29th. So what the, what changed? You know, and like you said, you have to look at his real motives and what he says and what he does are two different things. He did consult some players, and it was only certain players. Um, I don't think he cares what, you know, they, they want. I mean, I think, once again, it speaks to the ego and arrogance getting in the way. And, you know, that kind of blinds him from seeing these other things and, and listening to these other people. And, you know, everybody says, why, why, why? And, and those are perfect questions for him to answer. Uh, unfortunately, he will not uh, speak publicly. Um, like I said, he spoke for 10 minutes after um, the the uh, announcement that Nunzio Campanelli was going to be uh, the interim head coach. And, you know, that's when he talked his Rose Bowl, you know, Rose Bowl Pat thing. Um he says he wants to go to the Rose Bowl, but, you know, by the way he's acting, the only way he's going to get there is if he buys a plane ticket. So let, let's talk about what there is now because, as far as we know, Shiano's off the table and they still got to fill a head coaching vacancy. I was looking at your list last night of all these guys. There are, you know, there's some of the familiar names that we had seen before, you know, the Lance Leopolds, and obviously Nunzio's still there. Any new names enter that are really high up on Pat Hobbs' list? You know, right now, I would say, you know, that the names that, that you really look for is like the Anthony Campanelli, um, even the Chris Creighton from Eastern Michigan. Um, you look at some of those guys, though, and, you you know, can they succeed here? And, and, and nothing against them, but it's a Herculean task to take on. Look, you're coming into a program, if you don't have anything established, you have, you know, they're going to have two weeks for official visits after the season ends. They're going to have to try and recruit some players for the class of 2020. Um, and look, today, you know, I just got confirmation that Arthur Sitkowski and Davon Robinson are officially in the transfer portal. We reported today that they were entering into the portal, put their paperwork in. They are now in the portal, and there are going to be more players coming. So you have a coach coming in. Not only is he not able to fill up on recruits, he's losing some of the quality players he has. So unless you're able to go out and grab a lot of JUCOs and grad transfers, uh, next year could be even uglier than this year. Well, so we know a couple players have hopped in. You just said, you said Art, you said Davon Robinson. I think I saw Malachi Burby as well. Any other players you're hearing that that might jump ship also? Yeah, quite a few. I'm not, I don't want to put their names out right now with respect to them, but Burby has entered, uh, we were told earlier he entered, his, his paperwork in there. He is not officially in there yet. The other two are officially in the transfer portal, uh, Sikowski and Robinson, but um, that didn't happen until this evening. The official, you know, that they entered, the, the paperwork was going through earlier. There are a number of people considering it. There are a number of people very close to, to putting that paperwork in, and I think in the next week or so, you're going to see a lot more names pop up. Bobby, does this kind of max exodus happen if the announcement on Sunday was Greg Schiano is going to be the next head coach of Rutgers football. No, all those guys, the, the ones that I'm told, the immediate ones too, we're waiting to see. And when Schiano wasn't the guy, it was adios. Um, no, if if Greg Schiano stays, a lot of these quality players stay put. I mean, he's developed a reputation, and, and particularly in New Jersey, these coaches know him. Uh, we polled the New Jersey State high, fo- high school football coaches in the beginning of the search, and it was an overwhelming majority. Uh, saying they should hire Greg Schiano. Um, so, you know, some of these kids with local ties, they, they know him very well. The coaches at their high schools know him very well. And uh, he comes with with uh, with a lot of um, credibility 
and, and come on, let's let's uh, you know, like you said earlier, let's be honest. Greg was, you know, getting ready for this, so you know he was talking to people, and people were excited about it and excited about playing for him. And now that it didn't happen, um, it, it's just going to get ugly. You mentioned it before. The early signing period ends on December eighteenth. That's really, really close. And as far as we know, you know, we've asked nuns about this so far. And as far as they're concerned, recruiting on the road has kind of halted. So you look at Rutgers, which has a awful recruiting class lined up now. It would take a miracle to salvage it. And now you don't know who the coach is yet. I mean, what kind of message does that send to high school? I saw... I, I think it was um, Vineland Football's like official Twitter uh, said on said that they're not recommending any players that go, uh, you know, go to Rutgers. And I mean, that's a that's a place that that produced Isaiah Pacheco, one of the best players on Rutgers right now. I mean, is that kind of the reputation that Rutgers has right now? Just just go out of state. Yeah, you know, and unfortunately, yes, you know, because it's it comes back to the message what they're sending. It's not just. Rutgers is not going to hire Greg Schiano. Rutgers is not going to invest in football under Pat Hobbs, under Robert Barchi. So it sends a message to these recruits. I mean, I wrote an article yesterday. I put up the new facilities at Illinois, the new facilities at Illinois, and I put a picture up the bubble, and it was depressing, you know? Um, there's just not an initiative. Rutgers joined the Big Ten. Now you have to act like you're in the Big Ten. And they haven't done that, and kids see that. And, I mean, you didn't see any decommitments from a lot of the kids in the current class because there's just not a whole lot of options for those kids. Um, you know, the, the offers that they did have kind of dried up, classes filled up. So, you know, they're, they're just waiting on their, their scholarship. Nothing against them. But, you know, um, these other kids, these four or five stars, they're just not looking at Rutgers. Now, if Greg was in place, you know, they have a very good chance of, of immediately landing someone like Jalen Berger, four-star from Don Bosco, who's, you know, top one of the top players in the state, you know, one of the top players in the Northeast. Um, you know, it changes the whole dynamic completely. We saw the reports about Greg and how he came prepared to that first meeting, everything from the former players, what they're saying. Is there any chance that Greg, maybe at the end of the day, really didn't want the Rutgers job that badly, and that's why he needed it to be under his terms, or do you think it was just he really wanted to win, and this is what he needed to win? No, no. Greg wanted the job. One okay. thing that Greg used to say, and, and all the players used to reiterate it, he said, never wish away time. You know, you say, oh, I can't wait for, for my my next birthday or something like that. He would say, never wish away time. And he placed a great deal of emphasis on his time, how it was spent. Greg would not have put all this time and effort into this preparation if he did not want the job. You also have to remember, his, he grew up in New Jersey. His family's here in New Jersey. You know, his wife's family's here in New Jersey. This goes beyond just coaching football. This is a place where he can settle down, you know, and they can live out comfortably. Um, you know, the life of a, of a football coach is one that's very nomadic at times. So, you know, this, this decision wasn't just, okay, I can come coach Rutgers, I can come home, you know. So uh, he wanted to come to Rutgers, and if anybody says he was just using this or just wasting time with it, it it's it's wrong. Bobby, last thing before we let you go. Obviously, we see the reports. Greg's not coming back. Any chance that this is uh, reneged at any point and, and Greg can be pulled back in? I think for it to happen, it would have to be, you know, Hobbs would have to be relieved of his duties, and it would have to come from from. You know, Barchi, who would have to, you know, pre, uh, be influenced by some political uh, 
somebody of political relevance. So, um, you know, if, if somebody in Trenton says, hey, look, you know, get this guy out of here, you know, he's going to listen. But I think that's what it'll have to come from. I don't expect Barcy just to say, hey, Pat, uh, if the fans don't like this choice, you got to go, you know. I do know that one. Bobby, thank you so much for coming on, giving us all the insight here. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me.